with our first game that we have talking about the G-Men. They did their thing out here. Daniel Jones carries the Giants to their first playoff win since 2011 in an upset over the Vikings, 31-24. to Now, I do want to start off with our biggest takeaway from that game and then move on to the subtopic that we have here, which is who is to blame the most for the loss against the Giants. Okay, Zach, the mic is yours. Yeah, well, so I'll start this one off by saying this. I've been very impressed with Brian Dable over the course of the last few weeks and really the entire season. But after we've seen, and we've seen it closely pretty uh, here in New York, we've seen it pretty closely. The Giants have had all these terrible coaches, right? Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer and Joe Judge. And what the great coaches in this league do is they get the most out of their players, whether it's the best players on their team, whether it's the average players on their team, get into them to play a little bit above average. And I think any coach can get their star player to play well, but it's that when you're getting the most out of those guys, that's what is really impressive to me. And what Brian Dable did this season is he took a team really full of misfit toys and castoffs from other teams and some rookies. Like I know they have Saquon Barkley and Thibodeau, who's really good, Dexter Lawrence, but Dave Gettleman didn't really leave the Giants with some pot of gold. And he is the only coach I've seen out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. He started in New England that have had success outside New England at a different place. And this guy not only made the playoffs, but he won a road playoff game. And I think we're going to get into the Vikings a little bit in the subtopic, but the main difference for me in this game was just the difference of weapons and the difference in talent between the two teams. The Vikings have Jefferson and Thielen and Hawkinson and Dalvin Cook. Like, I know it's easy to call the Vikings frauds, but when you're comparing them to the Giants who have Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins and Daniel Bellinger, like these aren't household names. I just think what Brian Dable has done with the team and to Daniel Jones, it's just so impressive. And it kind of reminds me of, we actually just got breaking news on this guy, Jim Harbaugh, announcing that he's going to be staying at the University of Michigan for next year. But it reminds me of what Jim Harbaugh did with the 49ers uh, about a decade ago when he took over just like a classic franchise that has been in shambles lately. And as soon as he gets there, he has a quarterback that was drafted pretty high, but we never saw how good he could really be because of the lack of good coaching around him. And instantly he just takes off. But the difference between the two situations is one, like that 49er team had talent. They had Vernon Davis and Frank Gore and Michael Crabtree, but also Daniel Jones's physical attributes are just much better than Alex Smith's. Like he has a stronger arm. He could run. And yesterday, I was so impressed. He was the best player on the field. And the Giants just play tough, hard-nosed, winning football every time they take the field. And when you hire an offensive coach, your number one job is to get the absolute most out of the quarterback position. And that's exactly what Brian Dable has done with Daniel Jones. And the Giants and the coaches they've had the last three, four years were a joke. And just like Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, we're going to get into that a little later on the show as well. This team has just taken off, and I have two main takeaways from the game. Number one is this coaching job by Brian Dable. Not only is it coach of the year worthy, but I think it's one of the best coaching jobs, honestly, I've seen in the NFL in the last 10 years. What he's done is so impressive. I don't remember many coaching jobs better than this guy. And my other takeaway would be, if I'm another coach, or if I'm another team looking for another coach, I'm hiring Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, 
of the New York Giants because this guy called the game of his life yesterday. The Vikings defense never stood a chance. Daniel Jones looked poised in control the entire way. And what an effort by the New York Giants. I couldn't be more impressed. Yeah, my takeaway from this game is that I believe that Daniel Jones' price just went up. When you talk about negotiation leverage, his agent can literally up the price. Look at this playoff game, right? You go to the playoffs to get sanguinized in labels. Best quarterback in the league. Oh, he's that guy. He's the MVP. That's how you get all the accolades. You don't get it in the regular season. You get it in the playoffs. That's how Patrick Mahomes got his. That's how Josh Allen got his. That's how Joe Burrow got his, right? You, you get it through the playoffs. And what I saw from Daniel Jones, I'm not trying to overreact. That was the best quarterback I've seen all weekend, bro. And I'm not even lying. You talk about Josh Allen and some of his struggles. Yeah, but explosiveness was there and all that. We get that. But I'm talking about a consistent game. No mistakes. <laughs> that was that was my guy, Daniel Jones. So I think if you're his agent, you have a hell of an argument. You have a lot of leverage right now to get the contract that you want. Number two, I would say that when you talk about just everything from a congratulations standpoint, right? Because I feel like when we talk about the Giants, we talk about Brian Dable. And Claire, he has earned that notion. You know, he's a great coach, should be a, a very candidate, a very much a candidate in that coach of the year discussion. He should probably be one or two. You can make a case and have a great ass argument. But with that being said, I think sometimes we don't really understand or respect enough the evolution of my guy, Daniel Jones. I mean, you talk about his ability to scramble. We can actually classify him as a dual threat quarterback, a guy that can pass the rock and rush the rock. And I think there's a lot of value in that scramble. And a lot of people underestimate that. I mean, if it wasn't for his ability to scramble, this offense would not be humming. They have no weapons. I don't care how good of a coach you are. If you have no weapons, you don't have no number one or two receiver on this team, the scramble definitely is value. It's valuable. And I think we saw that value last night on full display. So even though Coach Dable, he's a great coach, you can argue he's a top 10 coach already in the league, Daniel Jones, he did his thing, and he showed that he's the quarterback for this team, something that I've been preaching since the offseason. Give this man some structure. And I think when you look at him, when you look at Geno, that's why it's important for coaches, not coaches, but quarterbacks to get the right coach, to get the right ecosystem for their success. And all Daniel Jones needed was that. And he got that in Brian Dable. Number two, when the Vikings, uh, excuse me, number three, when the Vikings went down the field on an opening drive, marched 75 yards down the football field, capped it off with a touchdown. And I saw the Giants respond to that of a drop of their own to tie the game, a 28-yard run by Saquon, I said to myself, I need to see no more. I know who's winning this game. It's the Giants. You know why? Because they normally start up slow. They are dead last in the league in first quarter points per game. Dead last. So when they was able to match the body blow that the Vikings gave and run that round, I was like, they're going for the knockout. And they did. And that's why they won this game. That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I think also with Daniel Jones, it really shows like just how bad uh, Pat Shermer and Joe Judge were coaching this New York Giant team and Ben McAdoo even before Daniel Jones got there. Because it's interesting, Will, like in the offseason, I didn't completely agree 
like with your Daniel Jones take, but I did see where you were coming from because Daniel Jones have had some moments throughout his career before this season where you see some flashes. You're like, okay, this guy could play. He, he could do something. But the turnovers were just a huge issue. And you know, in the NFL, like that's something that just cannot happen, especially multiple times in a big game. And between this game, between the Colt game, the Giants won a few weeks ago, blowing them out. Daniel Jones has not turned the ball over, and he deserves a lot of credit for that because that's really something that throughout his first few uh, years in the league, that that really cost him. And it's amazing what happens when you give any quarterback just a capable coach. And in this case, Brian Dable is obviously the extreme. But yeah, what he's done with Daniel Jones, the improvements that Daniel Jones has made, We've seen it here and there throughout his first few years in the league. If you remember, like I, I, this is a long time ago, but his first game in the NFL was a crazy comeback win over the Buccaneers. And a lot of Giant fans here in New York didn't like that pick, taking him number six overall in a quarterback draft that wasn't particularly too strong a few years ago in 2019. And that yesterday really made the worth, uh, made the weight worth it for Giant fans. And my last point on the Giants side is that. My mom got a statement, a, a little slogan that she always, you know, drills in my mind. The stone the builder rejects becomes the head cornerstone. Those people that you laugh at, that you boo at draft night. Oh, why did you take Saquon, a running back, with the number two overall pick? Which is a fair argument. Why did you take Daniel Jones over guys like Drew Locke and other guys? Josh Allen, I believe, been after Daniel Jones. All those guys. But at the same time, these two guys were the guys that got you to the playoffs this year and won you that playoff game last night. So I just want to leave it there. If you would have told any Giant fan before the season started that both uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley would be pretty much locks to get extensions after the season ended, I don't think any Giant fan or really anyone who follows the NFL would have believed you just because usually when a new coach and a new GM take over they're looking to bring in their own guys they want nothing to do with the mess that was there prior to them getting there but you already see with good coaching those two guys the season have taken off and uh, i'm gonna be curious to see what the giants do with saquon in the offseason because there's no doubt he's earned himself a big extension and he's probably going to get it even though like we know paying running backs that long-term contract it's had some penalties in the past but there's no doubt saquon barkley's definitely deserved it with the season he's had so far Absolutely. And remember, this was the same quarterback that they did not pick up his fifth year option. You know, prove that you can be that guy. I think he proved that he can be that guy for this team. So, Zach, I want to move on to the Vikings side of things. Who is the most to blame for the Vikings loss to the Giants? And of course, we can go around the panel and pick a very, you know, variety of issues and things and people. But if you had to pick one that we have to say, yo, the most out of everybody, this guy's the most to blame, who would it be? Yeah, so the Vikings going into this game, and we saw it yesterday, like they clearly by far had the worst defense in the playoffs out of any team that made the playoffs. And even though I knew this team was very fraudulent, like I did give them credit for winning 13 games and making the playoffs, unlike last season, but they were soft yesterday. And defensively, they were flat out bad. Like they didn't make any plays. And I know it's going to be easy to crush Kirk Cousins, especially for that last play, right? But that offense had zero margin for error because the defense couldn't stop anyone or anything. And for the final play, like, I put a little bit of that on Kevin O'Connell because when your season is on the line, how do you not call a play that has every wide receiver 
10 yards at least beyond the line of scrimmage or just even close to that. Like that last play, he had to go six, seven yards to get just to the first down line. And I know anytime you lose at home as a massive favorite, not a massive favorite, but this was a game the Vikings really should have won. When you lose that time, that type of game during wildcard weekend, that's just a very, very hard thing to shake off. Kind of like we saw with Dallas last year losing that game to San Francisco. So for me, Will, the guy I put the most blame on is the Vikings defensive coordinator, Rich Donatell. The Vikings have had a bottom-tier defense in the NFL the whole year. They came off to me yesterday as a soft team that didn't make any plays on the defensive side of the ball. And I know it's easy to crush Kirk Cousins. He played fine yesterday. I don't think he was good. I don't think he was great, but I don't think he was terrible either. The Vikings offense was not as good yesterday as it's been all season. But Again, they didn't have a margin for error because their defense did them absolutely zero favors. And that's why I low-key disagree, even though you do have to put the blame on the defense. You have to put the blame on Kirk. You have to put the blame on the coach. Like I said, you can go around. Everybody takes share of the blame, piece of the pie. But, man, the reason why I disagree is because I think you kind of made my point. You know this defense is terrible. They've been terrible this whole year. I thought the Patriots offense was was back. I thought they found something because of Mac Jones performance, because of Mike White's performance against this team this season. So many quarterbacks had success against this team. You know that your offense has to be perfect. You have to put up them points on the board because you can't count on that defense. You know it wasn't going to change in this game. It wasn't at all. So you have to make sure your offense is near perfect. And I thought that Kevin O'Connell and the reason why I'm going with him as the most to blame, he did not coach a perfect game, right? Nor was it even close. First of all, the last play. Let's talk about the last play. Because I give both the quarterback and the coach, you know, half of the blame each on that last play. You're throwing, it's fourth and nine or something like that. Fourth and nine, fourth and seven, whatever. Fourth and nine. You're throwing short of the sticks. Terrible play call, like you alluded to. But if you're Kirk Cousins, you're a veteran, my guy. You've been in this league for a long time. Have the situational awareness to know where the first down marker is and get the ball to your best playmaker and Justin Jefferson. I don't care that guy's triple team. Okay, I seen that guy in overtime against the Buffalo Bills go up in the air with one hand, make catch of the year, made the catch of the year, and brought that down. Listen, the fact that he wasn't targeted in this whole entire game, well, not excuse me, in this whole entire fourth quarter, that's terrible. My best players in the fourth quarter, they got to touch the rock. The quarterback, the wide receiver, the running back, whoever is my best players, they got to touch the rock in the fourth quarter. To have Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the league, not getting the rock in the fourth quarter, that's a combination of play calling and quarterback. But more so, play calling, because you can dial a place to get him the ball. I've seen Kevin O'Connell do it. One of the things, when everybody's like, oh, this guy, Kevin O'Connell, I don't know about this cat. One of the things and one of the avenues and angles I was able to take to defend this guy was that he basically this whole entire year drew a place to get the ball into his best guy's hands. And that's what I could respect. You know who your best players are? Get them the ball. You don't got to be cute. I understand you want to get other guys like Thielen and K.J. Osborne involved more. T.J. Hawkinson had himself a day. But you have the best wide receiver. You have one of the best running backs. Get them the ball. You don't got to be too creative and fancy to do that unless, you know, you got the defense and trying to take them out of the game. That's when you have to be creative. And we understand that they're going to put this bracket coverage over Justin Jefferson. We understand that. But that's when you, you know, get him in, get him outside, you know, pitches, little creative stuff like that. 
They didn't do that, and that's why he got to take the heat. And another thing, right? Let's go back to the first quarter. Early in this game, third and one, they decide to have Justin Jefferson throw the ball to Kirk Cousins. Why are you drawing the plays behind the sticks when you only need a yard? So, yeah, I got to go Kevin O'Connor on this one for sure. And matter of fact, icing on the cake here, the defensive coordinator, who we want to criticize, and we should, Kevin O'Connor is the one who hired him to install this new 3-4 defense that Vic Fangio is, you know, the guy for, 3-4. So that's another thing that we have to kind of, you know, decipher. Like, yo, this is a whole entire new defense, and it's going to take time for this defense to kind of get things together as well. Yeah, it's crazy because usually when you're a first-year head coach and you're, you're, your team wins 13 games and the division after you missed the playoffs last year, like, you just say that out loud and it's like, wow, what a coaching job. But I agree with you. Like, I don't know if I can trust this guy going into next season. All four teams in the NFC North are now eliminated. And I don't think it's some foregone conclusion that this Viking team is going to be back in the playoffs again next year, considering everything the Lions did this season, considering the Bears and just the massive offseason they have ahead. And one last point, I'm happy you brought up that third and one play call with uh, Cousins throwing it to Jefferson. It is wild because if you remember in week one of the season, you know, 18 weeks ago, the Giants are in Tennessee taking on the Titans and that game shifted on a very similar situation early in the game. Third and one, Mike Rabel decides to call like a handoff to a tight end, a rookie tight end. It gets stopped, and the game immediately changed from there. Saquon had a big run, and the rest is history. The Giants were able to win that game. And what do you know, just 18 weeks later, in the same exact spot, Brian Dable is not the coach that overthinks. He's not the coach that messes it up. That was Kevin O'Connell yesterday, and the Vikings paid for it. Absolutely, and one last stat for thought here. You know, the Vikings defense, they have given up more than 400 yards in nine out of the 17 games this year. We knew coming into this game that the defense was suspect and they were going to remain suspect. Your offense has to remain perfect. And it wasn't. And that's why the Giants are moving on.